as we uh, continue um, in our series, A Journey of a Lifetime, uh, as the scripture text was already read from Luke chapter uh, 18, verse 18, um, I want to speak to you all this morning from this thought, a moment of clarity. A moment of clarity. Let's pray. Gracious God, we say thank you for gathering us today. Lord, we love you. We pray that you find us faithful. As we spend time in your word this morning, we just ask that you guide our thoughts and our hearts um, so that we can hear from you and hear from you clearly. Uh, We lift these things up to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A moment of clarity. So I think that we all have uh, moments of life uh, that are, are, are moments of clarity, moments where we may have been confused, may have been wondering what we should be doing, how we should be doing it. And the Holy Spirit grants us uh, this very clear moment, this very tangible uh, way forward. And it's, it's in those moments uh, that we have to make choices. It's in those moments that we have to decide uh, what we're going to do. And I believe that, that who we are is often shaped by the choices that we make when we're given clarity, especially as it pertains to our uh, relationship with God. I'm thinking particularly in my life, and I can honestly say that I've had several, uh, but one of the ones that stand out to me the most uh, was the summer of 2005. And you guys have probably heard me allude to this um, at different points and different times, but it was the summer of 2005. I was uh, just about to finish undergrad. I was working for Clear Channel, uh, one of the largest uh, multimedia conglomerates um, in the nation. I was also serving as a youth pastor, and I also deeply wanted to be uh, a singer. I wanted to be an artist. Um, so I was writing music. I was working with like local rappers and doing different things like that. And this particular summer, uh, me and the group that I was a part of that went by the name of the Ivy League um, were the house opening act for the House of Blues. Now, I don't bring this up to like brag on myself or anything like that. I bring this up because the one of the shows that we performed was actually my God moment of clarity. Um, I remember it was the summer of 2005. We were opening up for an R&B singer named Faith Evans. Uh, I was on the stage. I was singing one of the songs that I had wrote. And I felt and heard very audibly uh, the Holy Spirit telling me this wasn't what God had for me. Because I had been straddling the fence. I had been a youth pastor during the weekend, uh, a local celebrity at night. I was in clubs and hanging out and doing all kind of stuff. All while I was serving uh, the kingdom and the Holy Spirit was no longer having it. And in a very audible voice, I heard the Spirit say to me, Today you must choose. Well, brothers and sisters, I... I walked off the stage that day. I told the guys in my group that I would no longer be a part of the group. And it was at that moment I decided to fully and wholly submit my life uh, to Jesus. But not just my life, but also my, my, my vocation, my pursuit. Um, all were centered around being a faithful servant. Brothers and sisters, I had been presented uh, 
uh, with a moment of clarity because I could no longer uh, be divided in mind and heart and spirit by things of this world and things of the kingdom. And the reality for many of us, brothers and sisters, is that that oftentimes how we respond to Jesus, how we respond to the nudging of the Holy Spirit will reveal our hearts. But more about that later. Because in a very similar way, we see something similar happening in this text. But the thing that I walk away from most when I think about this text, if I had to sum it up in a tight bow, I would simply say this, that there comes a point in our life where we need to let go of the things that we actually love in order to love God fully, to love our neighbors as ourselves and live out our faith. But how will you respond when you recognize what those things are? If we look at our text Chapter 18, verse 18, it says this. It says, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. The the first thing that we see, I believe, in this exchange is that Jesus will not be moved by flattery. When, when, this, when this rich ruler, this rich young ruler, as the Bible calls him in different spaces, approaches Jesus, he approaches him with the title of good. We know that calling someone or referring to someone as a good teacher was a sense of honor. It was a sense of accomplishment. It, it, it meant that in some way or some form that you were willing to submit to the teaching of this particular rabbi or person because of their reputation because of the work that they had done. And so when Jesus stops this young man in his tracks, he was doing two things. The first thing he was doing was this. He was reminding this young man that the only person that was worthy of being called good was God. That Jesus in his human form, though both divine and human, still did not equate himself as equal with God as he was serving his God in this earthly fashion. So he was reminding this young man here, when you attribute goodness to someone, that the only person that's really worthy of being considered good is God. He was, he was helping refrain uh, or reshape this young man's faulty theology because we see from the onset, from the early approach, that this young man already needed a little bit of adjustment. But the second thing he was doing was this. But by calling him good teacher, this young man was asserting that that there was some level of relationship or willingness for him to submit. But what we will find out later is that this young man was not fully submitted to the teachings of Jesus Christ. And I want to pose this question to us, brothers and sisters. How many of us submit to Jesus Christ in name, submit to Jesus Christ by our words, but don't submit to him with our actions? That we're not fully submitted to him with our heart and with our lives. And so often what we are doing are, uh, is giving simple lip service. Our verbiage says that we want Jesus, but our lifestyle says that he's not the priority. 
And I wonder how many times if we sit down and actually take inventory of our lives, how many times we could, if we're honest with ourselves, recognize the different ways that Jesus comes second, third, fourth to our desires. So we, we, we say that we are children of the Most High God. We call ourselves Christian. We associate ourselves and our families with churches. Maybe we show up on Sundays or we watch on the Internet. We give our tithes and our offerings and things like that. Uh, but ultimately, we are not fully submitted. The interesting thing about all of this, as we will see in this next exchange, is that it's all fun and games to say that we're submitted to Jesus Christ until he asks us to do something that we don't want to do. I'm sure if you reflect on your life, you can think about those moments where you were sure that the Spirit was urging you to do something, that was calling you out of your comfort zone, that was calling you into something that you weren't quite ready to do or something that you didn't want to do. It's in those moments where we see just how deep our relationship with God is. It doesn't mean that we don't have hesitation. It doesn't mean that we don't have questions. But what we will begin to see is that this young man was not as submitted as he thought. The next thing that we see if we go to verse 20 is this. The text says, You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and your mother. The young man, I'm sure, was very excited because he's like, all these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. I think the next thing that that Jesus was hoping that we understood in this exchange is that the kingdom standard is full commitment. You see from the text that, that this young man had part of it down. He was able to boast and say with confidence, oh, I've done these things. I've never been an adulterer. I don't murder. I don't steal. I don't give false testimony. I honor my mother and my father. He probably felt really good in that moment. And then Jesus comes back and says, still one thing you lack. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. What Jesus was reminding this young man was that with everything that he was able to say that he did, that there were still areas of growth. And oftentimes the areas of growth that we have are the areas that we have a difficult time submitting to Jesus. And it would be easy for us if we could just pick and choose the commandments that we follow, if we could just pick and choose the way that we pursue God, if we can pick and choose and compartmentalize our relationship and say, hey, these things will go here in this bucket, these things will go over here. Jesus, this is what I'm giving to you. But brothers and sisters, when it comes to the kingdom, the standard is fully committed lives, lives that are fully submitted to Jesus in our hearts, minds, our bodies, which is why the text last week said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Jesus wants us to put it all on the table, submit it all to him, be fully committed to him. There's no part that we can hide. There's no part that we can withhold. There's no part that we can keep. If we want to be members of the kingdom of God, if we call ourselves submitted to Jesus, if we dare call Jesus good teacher and assert and assess that we follow him, we must give ourselves fully to him. But like this rich young ruler, many of us only come with parts and Jesus wants the whole. I believe this is why Jesus had said earlier in his conversation, why do you call me good? Not because he uh, wasn't a good teacher, not because he uh, was not valued or worthy of that moniker, but more so because he knew from the onset that this young man was not fully ready to submit his life. So why even call me good? If you know that you're not ready to do what I'm asking you to do. So it says, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. I know a lot of times uh, when this text is preached or text similar to this, um, it is often uh, times where we we spend a lot of time on the, the monetary fact. We think about wealth. Because this young man's issue was his wealth and his money that he was not willing to let go of. When you look at the next session in verse 23, it says this. It says, when he heard this, he became very sad. Because he was very wealthy, Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. My third thought is this. Your response to Jesus will reveal your true heart. We can keep up a facade all we want to. It's easy to fool our brothers and sisters because we're human. We are fallible, but we can't hide from God. And in those moments when his plans for us are revealed, when the challenges that he sets before us are laid out, how we respond will really be an indication of where our heart is. And if you don't consider yourself a person that's wealthy, you aren't off the hook, brothers and sisters, because the reality for many of us is that it's not just wealth that presents a barrier. Like I shared with you earlier, for me, one of the barriers for me was my desire to be famous. And for so long, there was parts of my life that I hear from God that were parts of my life that I refused to submit uh, because I knew that full submission meant that there were changes that needed to be made. Maybe, maybe it's not our vocational pursuits or our hopes and dreams, but maybe it's family. Whatever that thing is that you are unwilling to sacrifice for pursuit of the kingdom is the thing that is the biggest barrier to you and your relationship with Jesus. And I ask you right now to maybe parenthetically pause and think about what that thing could be. 
One of the stories that I remember uh, 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 touching me and challenging me so deeply when I was a kid was the story when Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son. In a very Abraham-like fashion, whenever God asked Abraham to do something, he didn't ask questions. He just did it. When Abraham was first called, he said, go to a land and I will show you. Abraham just got up and went. I wish I could say I had that Abraham type of faith. But sometimes when I feel God pulling me in a certain direction, I ask why. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, the, the connection is, is broken. I got T-Mobile. Uh... But Abraham also, his, 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 his firstborn son, his, or his secondborn son, the son of his promise, the one that he was, was waiting for, God said, sacrifice him to me, and Abraham took him to, to sacrifice. And I wonder how many of us won't even make it that far. We know that God provided a ram in the bush. But how many of us will go where God tells us to go if we don't know what the provisions will be? That's the kind of faith that we are being called to. That's the type of life that we are being called to. That is the way that God would have us follow. And so when we are are in relationship with Jesus Christ and we begin to feel the Holy Spirit leading us into uh, challenging places, how faithfully respond we respond shows the true nature of our heart. Are our hearts really submitted to Jesus Christ? When we, when, when we think about well, what it means to stand in solidarity with our brothers and sisters who look different from us, uh, if it costs us some social capital, are we willing to submit to God? Are we willing to, to care for and worship, pe- worship with people who don't necessarily believe the same way we believe, who don't have the same backgrounds that we have, who, who aren't all uh, 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 pretty and put together and who are very obviously falling apart in some ways that we are able to hide. Can we love them the same way that God is calling us to love, brothers and sisters? The condition of our hearts shows how much we love Jesus because I believe in this season uh, of the church, we are called to be the church in ways that we have not been in a long time. As we think about the, the people who are hurting financially and physically and emotionally, we are called to care for those folks. And brothers and sisters, Jesus doesn't need any half-hearted, half-submitted soldiers in the kingdom. He asked this man to give up his riches. And the young man was sad. And if you look at the Mark test, I believe it says that the young young man walked away sad. I can only imagine what it means to be standing face to face with Jesus Christ. Having a strong sense of what, having a strong sense of what he's calling you to and walking away. But it's also a reminder is that when it comes to this kingdom work, when it comes to the things that Jesus calls us to, that there is no substitutes, that Jesus will not lower the standards. Jesus will not say, OK, well, you know what, if, if you don't just 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 sell half, just give me half of your heart. You just, just if you give me a quarter of your heart, it'll be OK. 
Because it, it wasn't a half sacrifice that saved us from our sins. And so Jesus right here is, 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 is drawing a line in the sand uh, that was meant for this rich young ruler. But I think it was meant for us today by saying, listen, if you want to be a part of this movement, if you want to be a part of this kingdom, here is what the standard is. Here is what you must submit to. Yes, you can be imperfect. Yes, you will make mistakes. Yes, it will be hard. Yes, you will be weary. But you got to start giving a hundred. Jesus won't lower the standard. And we shouldn't lower the standard for ourselves. He told the young man, you still lack one thing. Brothers, in this season, in this time, in this ability that we have to reflect, what is the one thing that we lack? What is, what is that one thing that you know is standing in the way between you and deeper relationship with Jesus Christ? Because I believe that if you work on that one thing, that you will experience God in a way that you've never experienced him before. You will experience the richness and the fullness and the depth of relationship that you have never experienced before. Brothers and sisters, and I'm telling you, it's something about the deep, deep love of Jesus Christ when we are fully submitted that is so, uh, brings so much peace and so much joy that it's worth every bit of the sacrifice. When I walked away from what I thought was my dream, I never thought I would be the same. But I remember when I walked off that stage to a crowd that was cheering. The peace that I felt, knowing that my heart was no longer torn, knowing that my spirit was no longer torn, but I had made a decision to fully follow Christ, gave me a peace that to this day sustains me in the most difficult moments and times and seasons in life. Brothers and sisters, the conditions of our heart when it's fully submitted to Jesus is the most important thing that we can have. The reality for us is this, that our place in the kingdom is determined by the condition of our hearts and not the status that we hold. Our intelligence, our riches, our familial connections mean nothing Our heart means everything. What's that one thing? And are you willing to submit it in order to experience Jesus and experience call in a way that you never have? Because in this season, we need fully submitted call folks to go about the work of the kingdom. Let's pray. Grace and heavenly heavenly father, we just say thank you. Uh, For your son, Jesus Christ, that challenges us, uh, that calls us out, that reminds us that he will not lower the standard, but that he wants our lives and our hearts fully submitted to him, dear Lord. And so the idols that we have, whether it's our political affiliations, whether it's our families, our vocations, our jobs, our, 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 our money, our dreams, any of those things that stand in the way from being fully um, engaged with you. Lord, we pray that you begin to remove those things because we want to live lives that are fully submitted, dear Lord.
So we lift these things up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor X, for that awesome word. As we close out the service today, we're going to teach you a song called Live It Loud. And we wrote this song just as a proclamation for the church to be and go and do and be on the hands and feet of Jesus. And so here it is. And let our sound be an echo of love, a response to the grace that you gave to us. And let our lives be a measure of praise as we follow the ways you reveal to us. And we will rise. And lift our voice Unashamed We won't hide our joy And let our sound Reflect our choice To live it out Live it loud Sing let our words and let our words speak the truth in love, a reflection of grace that you gave to us. And let our lives show the power of change, how the cross came to save. Now we proclaim, now we proclaim, and we We won't hide our joy Let our sound reflect our choice To live it out, yes Live it loud, we will rise And lift our voice Unashamed We won't hide our joy Let our sound reflect our choice To live it out, yes, live it loud We won't be silent anymore We will go, we will go Ashamed, will you hide your joy and let your sound reflect your choice? Come on and live it out, live it loud. We will rise and lift our voice. 
won't hide our joy let our sound reflect our choice come on church sing live it out live it loud live it out live it out yes live it loud this is a prayer live it out live it loud so we will live it What a joy it would be for us to be so uh, in tune with the Spirit that we are with with joy and conviction able to live, live out loud, live out loud for Jesus Christ. And even in the midst of our imperfection, even in the midst of our mistakes and our, our, our sin, we can be reminded that we serve a God who wants to keep us whole. So as we go, receive now this benediction uh, from Jude. It says to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault. And with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. With fully submitted hearts, fully submitted and committed lives, go in peace and live out loud. Amen.